Welcome to CA Conversations. I'm Dr. Sarah Dreller, producer of this week's episode on ethical approaches to managing contingent faculty. Their labor, I mean, it. I know folks from grad school who have either left the field or after adjuncting forever, um, yes. or and, yeah. and it's a serious labor issue. And I don't know how to fix it. I think we all have to sort of work together. Um, and, and, and it raises all sorts of questions like why do universities need this kind of labor so much? Yes. You know, and I think that's actually one of the things that we can do as chairs is to, is really to push back on the universities. I mean, we're all told the same thing that it's a matter of budget. That was Dr. Carmenita Higginbotham. She's associate professor and chair of the McIntyre Department of Art at the University of Virginia, speaking with Dr. David Rifkind. Associate Professor of Architecture and Interim Chair of Landscape Architecture and Environmental and Urban Design at Florida International University. During their conversation, Carmen and David describe the mission-critical contributions their contingent faculty make and reflect on options they have as department chairs to support part-time teaching staff. Now, as you just heard, they don't claim to have all the answers. What Carmen and David do over the next half hour or so is identify some of the needs they think can and ought to be addressed, and then actually work through some of them to begin formulating reasonable, concrete steps for meaningful change. David happens to have adjunct teaching experience, so his comments about contingency are rooted in direct personal knowledge. Carmen's department is structured along traditional lines, so her comments about goals, policies, and procedures will be widely resonant. This episode is part of a limited-run series about precarious academic labor that I've produced for CA Conversations. You can find these episodes at CA's website and on iTunes. I've also created a companion website called Contingent Talk with extended information about the series. That's at contingenttalk.hcommons.org. I'll be back briefly at the end. For now, on behalf of David, Carmen the College Art Association, and myself. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Hi, I'm David, and I've been department chair of the Department of Landscape Architecture and Environmental and Urban Design for two years now. Uh, I came into academia as an architectural historian, uh, teaching courses in architectural history and theory. I've also ended up teaching architectural design since I'm also trained as an architect. And then two years ago, the dean of my college asked me to take over my department. Part of what interests me about this conversation is my own experiences as an adjunct faculty member during the time that I was uh, in graduate school. I'm Carmen. Uh, I am in this position of a chair of the Department of Art um, at the University of Virginia uh, because I, too, was asked by my dean to serve in this role, although To be honest, I've only been in the position for roughly four or five months. Uh, I came into academia as a trained art historian. And importantly, this is actually my first job out of graduate school. And I was hired at the University of Virginia well before, uh, just well well before I had finished my dissertation um, and then started here and have moved my way through as an Americanist, American art historian. 
So, Carmen, I know that you're relatively new in your position, but did you want to say a little bit about uh, about the adjunct um, faculty that you have in your department? Like, how many adjunct faculty do you have, and have you been responsible for hiring any yet? Um, I haven't been responsible for hiring any yet. We have we have quite a few because we are a department that includes both studio art and art history, and so we have a variety of individuals. We have many different terms for them, right? They're replacement hires or, you know, they're temporary employees. Um, and we have individuals who work in, on the studio side to help fill out um, classes that were previously staffed by other faculty members who have moved on or just the growth of the studio art. And there's a handful of those. I, I feel just a wee uncomfortable saying how many, because if I get the number wrong, I would have forgotten somebody. But I, <laughs> I, I think that that number is easily over four. Um, and then in art history, uh, we have through a variety of replacements, uh, about two or three individuals at any given time who are, are part of our uh, contingent faculty, or we call them replacement faculty or what have you. Oh, that's interesting. So in art history, on the art history side of your department, the adjuncts are always replacements. They're not a long-term uh, part of the faculty? Well, I think the idea is that they are in, start off as replacements. I think the whole idea is that eventually we will receive a line from the dean's office that will open up a field uh, in which this person is teaching. Um, and, and we've had this more and more as we've had more retirements as a department. Um, but I think, and, and I know that our university has now rules in place for how long you can hire uh, someone in a temporary or replacement sort of situation. After so many consecutive terms, we either have to move them towards a general faculty line um, or pursue a request for a tenure track line, which you know are few and far between. And then there's no guarantee that person will get hired because once that opens up to a search. Um, so it's challenging that way. Um, what about you? Uh, do you have long-term adjunct faculty? We do. And our situation is a little bit different from a lot of units because landscape architecture, like architecture and interior architecture, are professional fields that uh, will have adjuncts who are practitioners, some of whom have their own firms or they work in local firms. And then they'll come in and teach one class, like a design studio or a seminar, very often it's one class. Uh -huh. And so it, it becomes actually a really valuable part of our pedagogy because uh -huh. they're, um, since they're, they're currently in practice, they are really up to date on a lot of the issues that are arising, you know, in our case, things related to urban design issues or different ways that landscape really to issues of climate change or social equity. So they're actually helping to reinvigorate the discourse within the academy. So in ah. that way, it's a little bit different. It's also, it's different for the faculty members because the adjuncts who teach in a, usually in a design program like architecture or landscape architecture, they mm -hmm. tend to also have, have full-time positions that include benefits. So a lot of the, the, the negative aspects of teaching as an adjunct are not a problem for them. So in our case, we'll be about 50-50 in terms of the number of people who are teaching. The, when I inherited the program last year, there were four full-time faculty members and four 
uh, adjuncts who are teaching uh, different amounts. One adjunct only teaches a single online course every year, while another adjunct was teaching a full, the equivalent of a full instructor's load every year, but mm. had chosen to remain a, an adjunct when, even when he was offered the opportunity to be an instructor, uh, partly oh, wow. because it, well, it gave him the flexibility to continue working at the office where he was a principal in a firm. So there's a really interesting uh, relationship to adjuncts um, in the design fields. But yeah, so we so our positions now are about 50-50 roughly. Oh wow. Oh wow. Yes, we don't have that that kind of weight. I think I think we still represent a more traditional or or older way of imagining the role of the adjunct, which is, um, and I could be completely wrong. I, w- I want to say that from the get-go, but yeah. it's my it's my belief. It seems like it is sort of an older way of considering the adjunct, which is this person works in the service of the department with the hopes of A, getting a tenure track position within that department or B, shoring up their CV in some way and making contacts to then go out and get a tenure track job. It seems like the structure we have here is uh, we tend to attract folks who, for whatever reason, are going or seeking eventually a tenure track uh, home and that that kind of permanent position. And I think that you're uh, your department is a lot like uh, departments in the humanities, where that's very common too, where right. um, adjuncts are, are looking, are really moving toward some kind of full-time uh, position, uh, ideally. Or, and I mean, it also, I think one of the big differences is the uh, metropolitan context, because uh, FIU is in Miami, so I'm in a, a major <laughs> metropolitan area where you've got, you know, all, in our case, all these design firms. So it, there's no problem for us to find adjunct faculty who are also happy to to teach a course while they're working. But it is different in smaller college towns like um, Charlottesville, right, where you've probably got people who really have to choose to move there or already have other reasons for being located there. And I think that that, that geography probably really matters, doesn't it? I think it's huge. I think it's a huge uh, related to it because um, you have tenure faculty who come and then if they have um, partners or spouses who are also academics, you know, who sometimes get really trapped in this um, contingency faculty, contingent faculty or adjunct faculty sort of yes. loop because they want to stay working and their spouse or partner are here and then they really can't get out. And I, I think it also, there's the exploiting element to it as well, where departments can say, hey, you know, this person's been teaching for us for however, however long they've been teaching, if there aren't rules in place for what the yes. institution one is at, we're just going to keep keep using them in that capacity. There's really no incentive to, you know, offer exactly. something considerably better, right? Just good enough. I think right. that, that that tends to be the, the standard. People, yeah, people in that position really don't have a whole lot of leverage, whereas no. the university or the institution does. Do you also find a gender imbalance in the people who are sort of considered in that regard, who are that other faculty member Oh, um, well, currently I'm, I'm just thinking about in my, so I've been here about 14 years now. So in thinking about my time here and the adjunct faculty or contingent faculty, um, it, they tend to be female, that adjustments, uh, that, that they are female serving in that role. But I think that might be shifting. Um, but I don't know. What about you? 
What, what do you see? It's a really good question. I mean, I think like in, in my case, um, our adjunct faculty in, in the two departments that I know best are architecture and landscape architecture. And in both cases, the adjunct faculty are probably a pretty even gender mix, which also reflects um, uh, the professions themselves, at least um, younger people in the profession. I haven't noticed uh, an, a, a real imbalance in, um, in adjunct faculty in either of my departments, mm. now that I think about it. But also, too, we're not in the kind of situation where um, somebody who wants to teach is here as as part of the two-body problem, right? Where you've got mm-hmm. one partner who gets a great tenure-track position at a university in a small town, and the the partner is trying to you know teach as well, and ends mm-hmm. up with you know plenty of adjunct work, but unable to to get a full-time position. Mm-hmm. So we, I, I haven't. Uh, so we are because we don't have that situation uh, at a school like FIU in Miami, where there's there's also in this area there's um, so many universities and colleges right. and opportunities to teach. Uh, um, so I haven't seen that. Yeah, I have. I haven't seen a gender imbalance in who's teaching adjunct. Um, not here. Yeah. Right. And and you have experience with contingent teaching, don't you? Yes. And I should say too, full disclosure, this is how we met was I spent, yes. two, I spent two years at, uh, at FI, at UVA as a replacement, uh, in a replacement position. I was teaching in the, uh, department of art in the school of architecture mm-hmm. as an architectural historian and spent two years doing exactly that. I w- it was the two years I was finishing my dissertation. Right. And so, right. yeah. And so, <laughs> And uh, which was only just a couple of years ago. Right, right. Uh, that, was, that just happened, basically. <laughs> I remember it like yesterday. But that um, they so I, I had been teaching and, and UVA was actually a fantastic opportunity for me, too, because I had been teaching adjunct while working on my dissertation and research in New York. And so I would teach a single class at a place like at, well, at Columbia, where I was uh, in school or at Parsons. Uh, and also the New York Institute of Technology. But that was always piecing together one course here or there. Uh, and I got to UVA and it was a full-time position so uh, with benefits. So um, it was a full-time um, long-term but contingent um, position. I mean, long-term, it was, it was understood when I got there that it was two years. And so there was a wonderful measure of stability about it. And it made sense for me to relocate my family to Charlottesville. Right. So that, it, that worked out really well for me. I did not have the the, the situation that a lot of people have where they'll teach the equivalent of, uh, of full-time um, teaching as adjuncts, but they're making far less because they're piecing together a series of, um, of adjunct teaching gigs, which, all, which, never, which almost never pay the same as what you would right. earn as, you know, as a full-time instructor or a tenured or tenure-track uh, faculty member. Right. And there are so many categories that, you know, they sort of slot you into. Are you instructor? Are you adjunct are you, or replacement or however that works out? So do you think that it's made you now you're now you're chair? I mean, does yeah. it think it's really um, affected your ability to work with your with your adjunct faculty, your contingent faculty? I, mean, I think, yeah, I think it definitely has it, and has in, a, has in a really positive way because I have that experience. I mean, I, I like to think of myself as a relatively empathetic person anyway, but in this case, having lived in that, you know, in that life of, you know, trying to 
um, do dissertation research or trying to raise a family and do all those kinds of things while also working as an adjunct. Um, I think that experience really informs the way that I interact with my faculty. And as much as possible, I try to empower them in every way possible. Um, I was very fortunate this year that I was able to negotiate with my dean uh, for two full-time instructor positions, which allowed me to temporarily, at least for one year, hire two long-time adjuncts as full faculty members. So for at least for a year, their compensation and their benefits were much better than they had been. And so I'm able to do things like that. I'm also really cognizant, too, of um, helping my adjuncts promote their own research and creative work just as much Mm -hmm. as I am my Mm -hmm. tenured uh, faculty members. Because, you know, uh, it's very often the adjunct faculty aren't on the same mailing list or don't have the same extensive networks, uh, social networks. So I can help them find different grant opportunities or professional opportunities. And I really like being able to do that. The other thing, too, that I'm really cognizant of is making sure that adjuncts have a voice in faculty governance. So they're invited and participate in every faculty meeting. They don't necessarily have the same voting status. And that's a measure of the the college constitution and our department bylaws. But as much as possible, their voices are heard and they're heard just as much as the tenured and tenure track faculty. Yes, we we include ours um, in our faculty meetings when when it's not a, you know, closed tenured, you know, HR uh, issue and encourage um, those individuals to be involved. But I, I have to admit, you know, I could do more. It's one thing to have the, particularly the art historians who are physically in the building I'm in, and and I, I see them uh, when they teach their sections right across from my office. Mm-hmm. And I realize it, it more means not just saying, you know, I'm looking at your upcoming contract and I will advocate for you, but also, you know, thinking about ways in which I can be more supportive of them with their research. Um, And something, it seems so inane, but asking them, what is your current research right now? As opposed to really relegating them to this single identity of, you're in the department, I need to foster you and protect you that way as a someone who's working, as opposed to, this is an actual researcher you know, who is doing work, who, you know, for whatever situation is now doing agent work, I could do more. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, man, (laughs) I needed to be doing more on that. Yeah, Um, I I think we all could, right? Because mentorship is an essential part of what we do as department chairs. And whether it's for our, our, you know, our tenured faculty or for our um, adjuncts, we're always trying to help them to achieve success on their own terms and to get to that next step. Right, yeah. right. But I, mean, I think so like the, yeah, oh, go ahead. No, no, I think I think it's one of those things where it it does help to and definitely having that experience that you've had has has really broadened your vision of these individuals and I I I wonder if I mean, do you feel like it your department's always been that way or do you feel like you're even now you're in 2 years and you've had yeah an impact in ways you can't even imagine yet. Uh, (laughs) You don't know yet until you're finished, but do you feel like you've helped alter, you know, the ways in which individuals see contingent faculty or is it just continuing a really good sort of vibe and situation with your Actually, that's a really good question. I, I can't really speak for my own department, ironically, because 
even though I've been at FIU for, this is now my 12th year, I haven't, um, I have not been a member of this department. So I, my tenure home is the Department of Architecture. And oh. so I knew that department much better. I only came into landscape architecture really when there was a need for a chair. I should also admit publicly that I have no training in landscape architecture. It's literally not my discipline. <laughs> I mean, I like it, but I, mean, I, have, I have no more expertise in it than I do in, I don't know, biomedical research. But I, um, oh, maybe a tiny bit more. I mean, it's close to architecture. It's close. close not right. nearly the same thing. So, um, so I was never a part of the faculty governance in landscape architecture. I mean, I know that it, it's a great department with a wonderful and collegial faculty, but I have no idea really how my predecessors as chair interacted with the, um, with the adjuncts, or I don't know very well. I do know that a lot of what I'm doing um, I'm, is in, in some ways a reaction to or builds on the things that I've seen in other departments, like um, the Department of Architecture, which is here at FIU, the department I know much better, as well as my experiences at other schools. So, for example, when I was an adjunct at places like Parsons, which is a school I absolutely adore, Mm. Parsons in New York, and also Cooper Hewitt, um, which is part of the the the, the whole Parsons um, sort of family. Those are fantastic programs. Uh, Parsons is an architecture uh, program. Um, Cooper Hewitt is a master's in decorative arts and design. Fantastic mm. programs, but they're lar- almost entirely taught by adjunct faculty, and okay. as such, you you don't really know, or in both of those places, as a faculty, uh, adjunct faculty member, I had very little idea what was going on in other courses, let right. alone in the overall um, uh, um, curriculum. I right. barely knew the other, uh, the other faculty. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, I didn't really understand how my course fit into the student's education. And so I'm kind of winging it, like, you know, I'm teaching a seminar that I, I would like to take myself, but I didn't know how it related to their other courses. Right. And I get the feeling too that sometimes, you know, some of my friends who teach adjunct here at FIU in different units, they get that that same kind of feeling that they just don't know where their their teaching sits in relation to other uh, courses and the overall curriculum. So that's one thing that I'm trying to fix by involving my my adjunct faculty in all the discussions of curriculum and even uh, long-term strategic planning which we're involved in right now. Well, but do you funnel your adjuncts, uh, your contingent faculty towards certain topics, like certain classes or, or do you or do you leave it wide open? I mean, yeah, that's also so this is interesting. So I do, you know, I, I uh, hang out. I'm very friendly with the chairs of architecture and interior architecture. Um, mm-hmm. Together, we comprise the School of Architecture at FIU. And we it's not that we have differing um, philosophies, because I'm really learning a lot from them They're um, especially the chair of architecture, who is technically still my chair um, when I teach in architecture. I mean, I still work for him. He's got a really strong philosophical bent toward what classes get assigned to which faculty members. Right. Um, as far as he's concerned, adjuncts teach required courses, never, ah. elect, never electives. Because his thinking is that um, electives are really there for the the full-time faculty, the tenured and tenure-track faculty, to advance their research because their research agenda is part of their contract with the university, Ah. right? I mean, there's a certain percentage of our time that's devoted to research, and in order to advance that, he figures that the um, the electives are really a part of that, right? So, um, and that kind of makes sense. So he's got um, adjuncts teaching design studios and then other required courses, um, 
I, I, I can't think of one off the top of yeah. my head, but you know, something like a materials and methods class or a professional practice would be an ideal uh, example. Right. In my case, I do um, have adjuncts teaching um, elective courses, although sometimes it's in order to, for them to develop that into a future required course. So for one example, I've got a, a, a young faculty member now who's um, quite brilliant and he's developed a theory of urban design course that we've been offering for two semesters as an elective to our landscape architecture and architecture students. But okay. eventually it'll be uh, a required course for students in our Master of Arts in Urban Design. So it's a way ah. for them to workshop a future required course. Oh, wow, uh, that, that seems like that would work. That yeah, because it, it's, it, it's also it's his first time teaching. So it's a great way for him to use the elective time to develop what will be, you know, a really important component in, uh, in a degree program. Right, but right. Having said that, actually, now that I think about it, that's really the only case where we have an elective taught by um, by an adjunct. Yeah, yeah we, we don't have that here. I mean, it, it, uh, in, in thinking about it, maybe it's sort of built into the title of replacement hire or thinking about replacement faculty. But often they are, our adjuncts are um, slotted in the classes that are already on the books that are already, you know, they already yes. have a, assigned numbers with a with a, a sort of a, a loose expectation that what's going to what's going to happen in that course and that it's going to be some sort of survey um, at the end of the yes. day. So these are kind of what I call and I should probably shouldn't call them this, but I call them service classes, exactly. classes that serve our students, that serve our curriculum, that serve our major um, and that they then teach sort of broadly and that they're going to follow a kind of plan. Now, we don't sit on them about what their syllabus looks like, although when they apply, you have to submit a possible syllabus. So the idea is that we have a sense of what they're they're going oh, to teach. Interesting. But um, once they're here, you know, basically they could, you know, I'm not advocating they do whatever they want, but they, they kind of could do whatever they want. Um, and, um, and, and they work that way. And so I, 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 it's never been made clear to me the philosophy behind that. Uh, but as you were speaking of your colleague, uh, having a clear, you know, sort of explanation as to why they would offer, uh, or they are allowed to teach the classes that they teach, um, adjuncts teaching the classes that they teach. Now I could see maybe that's the situation here as well. Maybe that's the situation here. Yeah. And I know from other departments, like especially departments that have huge service components, like here, English, I, I imagine at every university, English has a huge service component for um, their uh, composition courses, for example. And that's one where you'll have, you know, dozens of sections of the same course where an adjunct can walk in and have uh, a syllabus already prepared for him or her to use in the course. And that's actually, you know, that that's, there's a benefit to the, to the faculty member there because they don't have to come in and, and develop a whole new course. Right. Which would be really nice. And I think, I think, I think that might happen in the practice classes as well. I know in studio, um, many of those folks are teaching drawing, intro to drawing or drawing one, drawing two, these foundations, the foundations so that then the, the, the tenure track faculty then can build on top of that. That makes a lot of sense. And we also, we end up with a lot of that too in the design curricula, especially in architecture, which has at our school has so many more students they have um, uh, quite a few of the tenured faculty um, will end up teaching in the upper division 
studios, whereas the lower division studios are very often um, largely taught by um, adjuncts, but coordinated by full-time faculty members. But is that exploitative? I mean, I, I, this is what I, I, I struggle yeah. with, you know, it's working and, and, and this is not a criticism of my current job or everything here. Uh, but in, in general, because I very much love my job, um, in general, however, just as a professional out there, um, okay. using people that way, um, I, I don't I think the bigger problem is for the students than for the faculty members, um, because and this is a debate we've had in our in architecture at FIU is if you have all adjuncts, I mean, if, if almost all of your lower division design studios are taught by adjuncts, that means that the students who are just beginning in design are very often being taught by faculty who have the least experience. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, you want the most experience, the best faculty teaching in at the beginning of the curriculum, because that's where the students need, in some ways, need the intervention the most or need the, right. the, the most, uh, the combination of wisdom and insight and so on. And so that is also, that's a concern. I know that in my case, uh, in landscape architecture, since I've got studios being almost all taught by um, full-time faculty members, that I do have some of my best teachers um, sort of front-loaded in the curriculum so that in their first and second design studios, the students are getting um, some of my best instructor or some of my best faculty. Right. But it is serious concern that, especially if you think about something like um, writing and composition, that those are courses that for students across the university, they really need excellent instruction. Right. And right. it can vary widely. I mean, I know I know from my own experience and actually from my now from my children's experience, that there are um, you know, first year composition faculty here at FIU who are fantastic and adjunct. And then there are others who are just less skilled at teaching. So that is, I mean, I think that's a real concern for our students. Well, for students, for, for folks who work in labor in these positions as well, I mean, it's, it's at, at, at current, currently, I mean, I haven't been chair long enough to um, really internalize those individuals. And I very much see them as individuals, you know, who yes. work in these positions. And I always, I feel, I feel, I don't know about you, maybe not you, because you've done I feel so guilty because I was very lucky in a series of situations to be it's still in my first job and it happened to be tenure track. But in, in thinking about, you know, their labor, I mean, it. I know folks from grad school who have either left the field or after adjuncting forever um, yes. or and, yeah. and it's a serious labor issue. And I don't know how to fix it. I think we all have to sort of work together um and 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 it raises all sorts of questions like why do universities need this kind of labor so much yes you know and i think that's actually one of the things that we can do as chairs is to is really to push back on the universities i mean we're all told the same thing that matter of budgets right that it's the budget reality of the modern university is that they require a lot of contingent faculty uh in order to just make the budget work and we're always constantly told that. And I think that part of my job as a chair is to push back on that, is to ask as much as possible, ask my dean and make sure that he pushes the provost to give us as many uh, tenure track and tenured lines as possible. Because I right. think also having an active research agenda on the part of the faculty is important to what the students get. Important to the students get and the growth of the department and the other faculty members that are in it. It's all interconnected. It really yeah. is all interconnected in what we do. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. And so what, 
just thinking about the future, what would you do to change or what are I in an ideal world? In a perfect world, I want 10 more lines and I want want to be the biggest, baddest, you know, art department um, in the United States, if not on the Eastern seaboard, if not in the South, I can like keep pairing these categories down (laughs) to get to be be the biggest, baddest Um, and to work to, you know, also protect these scholars who have given so much. And I'm not just saying that. I I couldn't imagine what that uncertainty is like in one's career, but to give over to the pursuit of knowledge and the pursuit of education and the pursuit of of what we do in the arts and in art and architecture. Um, Yeah, I'd love 10 lines. What do you want? You want 10 lines too? I would love that. And the students to go with it. Uh, I will, you know, I will say though that this conversation has reminded me how important it was um, that that I spent that time, those two years, as an adjunct at um, at uh, UVA because it gave me an opportunity to hone my teaching. I was really well supported as a teacher. I had fantastic graduate assistants who were PhD students in architectural history, so I had some amazing. Um, uh, amazing help in terms of grad assistance. I had fantastic students to work with too, which is always the best thing for a teacher is to start with great students. So I would say that there was an advantage to me personally into my career to having that time as uh, as a contingent faculty member at uh, UVA. So I wouldn't move to a, a 100% um, tenured or tenure track uh, world necessarily. But yeah, it, and that's the thing. I, I do want to use my position to help uh, mentor and advocate for faculty who are in that situation. Mm-hmm. Well, Carmen, it has been so great talking to you about this. It's been wonderful. So nice. So nice. This is Sarah again. If you liked this episode, be sure to check out the College Art Association's website or iTunes for more great conversations. And for extended information about my series on precarious academic labor, remember to visit the companion website called Contingent Talk. It's at contingenttalk.hcommons.org. Cheers.